Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. I want to invite you to stand today begin the sermon. I want to take a moment and I want to pray a prayer of blessing, speak a prayer, speak a blessing over you today. If you are the best of the best, the top of your class, the star athlete, the leader of all, God can still use you. Okay. Just that throughout history, God has occasionally, or on a lot of occasions, used insignificant people in significant ways. This message today is for everyone, but perhaps it will be significant to the ones today that feel insignificant. You didn't rise to the top of your class. You don't feel successful compared to your peers in the world. Your relationship or relationships haven't become what you had hoped for. And maybe today you're in a broken season of your life. And today, I pray that God will give you vision to see hope for the future to see significance in your life today. And I want to just pray over that. Can I do that? Let's pray. Father, I pray for this time, this room today, Lord. We think of new beginnings, the New Testament, the birth of Jesus, the newness of life. And Lord, I pray for a new season in many people's lives. God, that you would bring significance into the insignificant moments of life and the broken moments of life, Lord. I pray that your words today, that the story of Jesus and his family will inspire us and encourage us and that you will give us hope today, God, in the midst of our lives. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Well, it's good to be with you in the room today. It's nice to see the room packed out, and I can't wait, or I know everyone around here can't wait for this coming weekend when we will gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But we're on the path right now. Today, I want to talk about significant insignificance. Uh, to give some backdrop to this, uh, about a week ago or so, I w- met with a men's group. I have a men's group that meets on Fridays at 11.30, a couple guys that uh, have evening jobs, and so we just meet during the day. We started a new series, uh, 33 series. I know many of you have done that before here, but it's a ser- series about manhood. It's a series about how to be husbands, how to be dads, and how to be men in this world. And it was significant as I started to watch this series again because the speaker in it was sharing some manhood realities in America today. I think he gave seven different realities. I'll just share a few with you. Number one, he said, in America today, men, many men are in a state of confusion. 
There's no compelling vision for what it means to be a man today. And he walks through why that is because I think in so many ways, in so many cases, we learn by seeing, we learn by imitation. And yet, many men today have never seen or understood what does it mean to be God's man in this day. Uh, the speaker continues on and he says, another reality is that men are drifting. They have no vision or purpose in life, and so they are simply reacting as life comes to them. And he goes on to say that a lot of men are experiencing a general disappointment with life. I wonder how many of us here today, if you would think about your life honestly, you would say, yeah, I'm sort of disappointed with where I am in life today. Uh, I, I just want to talk to the students for a minute, bring you in, because I think that this is one of the difficult times in history to be a student today. There's so many expectations, and you are being asked to measure up. And as I often, when I'm coaching football, I'll tell the football players, I'll say, listen, when you were born, everybody thought you were awesome. I mean, when you came out, it didn't matter what your hair looked like. It didn't matter how much you weighed. It didn't matter how fast you could run because you couldn't run, and everybody thought you were awesome. Problem is you grew up. And then you started running against other people. And you started, you know, looking in the mirror against other people. And so you live in a world right now that you're trying to measure up. Some of you today, if you were honest, would say, I don't measure up. I don't like how I look. I don't know what my significance is in this world. And some of you are in the second half or the twilight season of your life. Bob Buford writes a book called Halftime, and he talks about the halftime of life. And he says in the first half of life, uh, the goal for most of us was success. In the second half of life, the goal for most of us is significance. And in the second half, we're not asking about success. We're just saying, will my life be significant. What significance will I have in this world and what I have left in this world? And I wonder how many today would just sort of where you are in life say, my life is not that significant. And so today what I want to do is sort of uh, spread some light to learn from the Christmas story from a person and also a doctrine that I think sometimes they or the doctrine might be seen as less significant. And so to pick this up, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been walking through the genealogy of Jesus or the family tree of Jesus, if you're close enough and got eyes uh, good enough to see this. But this is every person that is listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not everyone, but it was significant persons. And as Pastor Rob has been preaching the last couple of weeks and myself, I mean, it's amazing who is in, who they choose to list in this family tree of Jesus. Uh, but Matthew, the author, he is a he is a tax collector. He is an accountant. He cares about numbers. He is incredibly specific that he wants to demonstrate that the Jesus of the New Testament is the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. 
That's why we need to be whole Bible Christians, not just New Testament Christians, but we got to get into the Old Testament because without it, the New Testament doesn't make sense, and without the New Testament, the Old Testament uh, isn't fulfilled. And yet, he wants us to understand that Jesus' beginning didn't begin in the manger. It started uh, in eternity past, but there's a whole bunch of people that Jesus came to be their savior. And so we walk through that in the first uh, 17 verses of Matthew chapter 1, and then we get to verse 18, and here's what Matthew then turns to. He's talked about the past, now he talks about the present. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And he goes on, and he says, when Jesus' father Joseph was standing in the courtyard of his golden palace, an angel appeared and said, Behold, you will have a baby born into luxury, who will experience infamy, and he will never know difficulty. And if you've been around church, you know you're kind of, wait a second, raising a flag here. That's not how I remember the story. That's good, because that's not how the story went. But that's how most of the people would have thought the story would have went, because it was a king that was coming to the world. It was God himself, and most people thought he would have been born into a palace, and that he would never know difficulty. But what does Matthew actually tell us? The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now this is a plot twist, if there was ever a plot twist. Uh, my wife, uh, just a week ago or so, she, she posted this on our family group chat. It's like a meme, and I thought it was kind of humorous. Hallmark researchers say they are close to developing a second movie plot. Like, I don't know how many of you are watching the Hallmark movies in this season, right? But like, everybody knows what's going to happen, right? Because it really doesn't change. But this is not the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus, no one would have thought that he would have been born as a baby into a stable. It's a story of humble beginnings and seeming failings of which God was at work all along the way. Amen. And what I want to do today is I want to put the spotlight onto Joseph. Because in the Christmas story, at least in history, Joseph's, he's there, but he's not really in the spotlight. In fact, my wife and I went to uh, New York City just a, a week or two ago, and uh, we, you know, who doesn't love New York City in the Christmas season, right? And so we went to a concert at Carnegie Hall. We saw Michael Tate and Michael L.B. Smith and Amy Grant, and it was Christmas concert and just having an incredible time. Earlier in the day, we went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and as you're traveling around the museum, you walk into the European section, and a lot of the art in there is about like the growth of the church and the good and the bad. And you see a lot of Mary not a lot of Joseph. And I think that's good because I want to hear about the women. They were so foundational to the story of Jesus. And sometimes we're always talking about the men, right? But uh, it's amazing in the Christmas season to see how God used this woman, Mary, right? But today, I want to go to Joseph because that was the text uh, that I was given. And I, I want to... I... <laughs> 
I want to I want to I want to suggest to you today maybe a speculative spotlight on Joseph that uh, Joseph uh, might have felt insignificant in his life before he became the father of Jesus. And I'll just give you a few thoughts to consider about this. Number one, Joseph was from Nazareth. Nazareth was a lowly town where no one uh, that was notable came from. In fact, Nathaniel, the disciple of Jesus, when he heard, he said, who can come from Nazareth? Can such a person come from Nazareth? Joseph was a carpenter, and while carpentry is an amazing trade, in fact, looking at the ceilings at Carnegie Hall, you look at you know, all of the carving and the things that were done that carpenters can do today. But in that day, it was not seen as a high profession that a king that the line of a king would come from. Uh, Joseph was betrothed to a woman, and that was significant in that day. When you were, became betrothed to a woman and you were about to start to have kids and to build a family and, and to build your tribe, and then it all fell apart, so he thought. Uh, he learned that she was with child, and seemingly there was another man that was the father of this child. And so if you can imagine Joseph at this point in his life, I'm just wondering if he's like, man, my job, not that awesome, my upbringing, not that awesome, and my family, disgraced because of what's occurring uh, in his life. In fact, I was just pondering uh, the night that he uh, got to Bethlehem uh, with his wife, and you know the story, she was about to birth a baby. And, you know, we love to uh, demonstrate this, right? We love to put visuals up in a sense to romanticize it like it was an amazing night, but I think husbands can understand that um, I would not have felt that awesome that night. I mean, my wife's about to have a baby. And I can't even find her a place fit to have a baby. And we're having a baby, the king of the world, in presumably a stable and placing him in a manger. And it's amazing to think about today, but I'm not sure he felt that awesome about it in that day. And so I just wonder if... Joseph felt insignificant in his life. And, you know, maybe for, for you, you feel insignificant here today. Maybe you're in a career that is not all that you dreamed of. You've messed up or you missed the opportunity, uh, and, and you're not fulfilling all the things that you thought that God might have for your life. Maybe you're in a relationship or in relationships that have gone directions that you didn't think. Maybe you're a parent. And you're just suffering and struggling in your relationship with your kids today. And maybe you look back and beat yourself up because of what seemingly could have been, but is not. Maybe you're in a season of confusion or even in catastrophe right now. And I just want us to know in this story that in the seasons of catastrophe, it's critical that we would hold fast to our character. That in those seasons, it's not time to, you know, go off the deep end of your life. It's time to trust 
God and live the way that God would have us to live. And we see Joseph here in the midst of learning about all of this, that's, you know, his whole life that has just radically shifted and changed. Verse 19, and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Uh, In a season of catastrophe, he held fast to his character. And he chose to love mercy and to do justly and to walk humbly in this season of life. Uh, I think uh, uh, for a lot of us, uh, we don't quite understand the, the, the divorce word in the story because we don't get betrothal, right? Betrothal in many eras involved two families entering into a contract with one another. The actual families would do this. And sometimes it would involve actually the parents choosing uh, the, the, the person that their child would enter into that contract to. And I know that all of the kids in the room, the young people, would love for that to occur. And uh, so they would enter into this contract, and it wasn't that love and intimacy wasn't important. It was believed that love and intimacy were the result of the, co- the covenantal relationship, not the reason for it. And that should inform us today about relationships that we enter into. But nevertheless, they would enter into this contract with one another where often a dowry would be exchanged or a dowry would be paid. And so they would do this at the beginning of a season. We'll just call it the engagement season, the betrothal season. Uh, They would enter into this this contract that would legally bind them together. But then there was a season where the husband would need to build his house and prepare to bring his wife into the house. And in some cases, uh, you know, they, got, they didn't have the adolescent period, and so they were very young, and so it also gave time for them to grow and to mature and to be ready. But then at the end of that betrothal period, they would come together, and they would live together, and they would engage in all of the amazing things that come with marriage. Well, it was during this period that Joseph learns that this woman that he had been pledged to be married with was with child. And I imagine that it crushed him emotionally. I imagine that it probably fueled the feelings of failure and insignificance about the future because it would have changed his reputation as it would have changed hers. And I want to just say to you today that when life is spiraling, some of you are experiencing that today, God is speaking. When, when, when you're experiencing these seasons of insignificance or life is just falling apart, I want to declare God is speaking in those seasons. And so instead of going off the deep end, it would be a good time to start listening. Like, What is it, God, that you have to say? to me about all of the circumstances in my life. And this is exactly uh, what Joseph does. Uh, He continues on in the scripture in verse 20. He says, but as he considered these things, the word considered there means deep thought, ongoing deep thought, meditating, that Joseph was meditating on these things and listening and praying to God about these things. And behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, 
son of David. Like, let's just stop there for a moment. That, that, that statement, son of David, Pastor Rob preached this this past week. That was a significant phrase, that he is out of the line, the kingly line of David. Joseph, you have a past, and I have a future for you. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, not from a mere man. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus he will save people from their sins. Notice, the angel said, you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. You know who named children back in that day? It was the father. Joseph was given the opportunity to name Jesus. Jesus, by the way, means Yahweh saves. To name this child uh, Joseph was given the opportunity to be an earthly father, one of the, to Jesus, the most, one of the most significant fathers that could ever walk upon the face of this earth, amen? He was the son of David, and even though he thought his life was spiraling into insignificance, God had plans for him. Uh, I, let me just talk to parents for just a moment, because I think there's a lot of days that probably seem like life is spiraling and in some cases insignificant. And in those moments, I want to encourage you to step in to those insignificant moments because those moments along the way come together and they build together a future and a life together. And sometimes you don't even see it. Sometimes even in the days after when your kids launch, you don't see it. This past year, I did three weddings in Texas. Um, one, two of them for the same couple, actually. <laughs> uh, but uh, there was a, a family that was here back in 2003, 2004. Yes, I was here in those days. And we developed a good relationship, and they had kids that were young. In fact, their daughter, Sarah, she was little, and she used to pick on me. And, uh, you know, we just developed a good relationship in those days, and those kids grew up, and uh, there was a season of their life where they did not walk with God. There was a season in life that, uh, I mean, they went through lots of tragedy in their family. And those kids, the, the son and the daughter, both were not walking with God. Um, it was a joy this past year, now that they're in their late 20s, to be invited to back into their life, to, to do marriage preparation and counseling, to see the spouses that they were marrying, and to understand that they're walking with Jesus, that they are passionate about Jesus today. And so I want to encourage you parents that in those seasons, those seasons of insignificance, that you would step into them. And that you would pour into them when it doesn't seem to be going your way. God is at work in the midst of it. Uh, there's a pastor that may, says this quote often about our lives. He says, the greatest thing that you may do may not be something that you do. It may be something that your kids do. And you are investing, and it may not seem that significant, but we don't know what's going to come about in the lives of our kids, how God is going to use it. And so we see Joseph in the story living this season of life that seemed insignificant, but then God's saying, I have something so significant for you. I'm going to have you be the father 
to my son, to the Savior of the world. I want you to see one other thing about this uh, story, and it's the virgin birth. And I think sometimes we just sort of gloss over the virgin birth, that she was a virgin, and we're like, wow, that's nice. But we don't see the significance of this, what we call doctrine. Uh, I want to give you five reasons why this is so significant to our lives. Number one, the virgin birth substantiates Jesus' deity. This was not a mere man that was born to Mary. This was literally the son of God. Uh, his nature was deity. In fact, the, the angel in Luke gives a little bit more detail, and it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, speaking to Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Just try to envision what this means for a moment, that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and come upon her, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy. Son of God. Jesus was not a superhuman. He was a supernatural human. Like no one that this world has ever seen. The Son of God was God in flesh. God with us. And the virgin birth substantiates that as the Holy Spirit brought him about. Virgin birth also unites Jesus' deity with his humanity takes God, by ver the very nature of God, and unites him perfectly with humanity. And the councils, if you look through church history, wrestled with this, and how do we explain this? But ultimately, what they came to say is that Jesus was 100% God, and he was a 100% man, perfectly united and that's significant because number three, the virgin birth allows Jesus to comfort us in our world's insanity. Because just as the writer of Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. I don't know what it is that you're dealing with today. I don't know what the insanity in your life is. And maybe you get hung up on the insanity of the world right now because all you have to do is turn on the news or click on the news. And it's pretty insane out there. But I will tell you, some of you dealt with insanity this morning just coming to church. It's not the big things out there. Um, we were coming to the gift last week as a family. And I, I like built this up. I was like, we're going to invite neighbors. I actually bought 30 tickets to the gift for two different shows because we couldn't figure out which one we were going. So I was like, I'm going to buy 15 for the afternoon one and 15, and we'll make a decision later, and then we'll try to, you know, sell off the other tickets. And so I felt a little bit like a, a you know, a ticket broker. But uh, we came to the afternoon, and we invited three families to come with us, three families that are not that known to church. And I told the kids, I said, listen, be ready, because I want to get there early. You can't save seats, so we got to show up early so that we can get in there. And, you know, we're going to uh, get together at quarter to two. We're going to get in the car. We're going to pick up some friends on the way, and we're going to come to the gift. And so about 10 minutes before we were to leave, somebody's banging on the door of the bathroom while someone else is in the shower. Open the door. 
And like I'm listening to these two kids just fight about somebody that needs to get something. Somebody's taking a last minute shower, not ready. And so I'm starting to get angry. I'm like, this is big. Like we cannot be late. So I'm like, get in the car. We get in the car. We're having a big fight in the car. We're like on our way to pick up a kid that we're driving because the parents couldn't come. And so we're just fighting this thing out. We get to the, 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 the house, the kid gets in the car and the mood changes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guarantee you, I was the only one asking questions because everybody else was sort of just steaming or seeming and simmering and uh, not saying anything. In fact, my daughter was sitting in the back and I was asking questions and I looked at her and she's like, serious dad. <laughs> we got here and we come in and the people that we had invited had safe seats. And I was like, oh, don't tell anybody that I'm with you. But um, some of you this morning coming to church was like, get in the car. We're going to worship. Shut up, right? You know? <laughs> Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus experienced it all. The scriptures say that if you are in Christ, he is in you. And he's given you a power. And the, the virgin birth makes this possible. And number four, because it means that Jesus did not inherit the curse of depravity. Depravity, that simply means that sin is not just an action, it is a condition. It's a condition that you were born into. And so we don't have to teach you to sin when you're a little child. We don't have to teach you to be selfish because you're born into it. You were born from Adam. And so Adam passed on a sinful condition to his kids. They were pretty bad. And then those kids passed on a sinful condition to their kids. And it passed all the way down to Joseph, the father of Jesus. But Joseph, the father of Jesus, did not conceive Jesus. The Holy Spirit did. Jesus was born as a perfect human, never sinned. And that makes him the only person in history qualified to release us from sin's penalty. Because when he got up onto the cross, the writer of Romans and Corinthians says that God made him who knew no sin to take our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it was his righteousness that is imputed to us so that there is no barrier between us and God. And that's all because he was born of a virgin. And that's why you can come into this room today, and I don't know how many of you are trailing a whole bunch of sin in your life from this past week or this past semester. In fact, the book of Isaiah describes it with imagery, and the book of Isaiah describes it as that some are pulling this wagon of sin behind them. Like literally, you're just dragging it around. I was uh, last week putting up lights in my tree, get, actually before the gift, getting ready for Christmas, listening to Christmas music. I was in an amazing mood at that point. And uh, just listening to music, I got my headphones on, my, my noise-canceling headphones on, and there's a guy uh, walking up the, uh, the road, and he's pushing a, 
uh, a cart that had, I don't know, it had been somehow become disabled, and so he's pushing it up the road. So I take these, these, uh, these headphones off, and I'm like, hey, you need a hand with that? He's like, no, I'm good. It's like, all right, well, another neighbor, Jessica's walking by, walking the dog. I'm like, hey, Jessica, how you doing? I'm like asking her questions about Christ, uh, Christmas. And then there's a guy across the road that's on a roof, and he's working, and, and he, he yelled something, but I assumed that he thought that I was talking to him when he realized I was talking to my neighbor. So I put my, 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 my uh, headphones back on. I started listening to Christmas music again, and there I am in the tree. <laughs> and my daughter, Harper, she's seven years old. She runs up after a little while, and she's like, hey, Dad. And so I take off my headphones, and I was like, what's up? She's like, hey, that guy across the road is trying to talk to you on the roof. So I was like, oh, what? And I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm in a tree. He's on his roof. And he yells out his name. He used to come to church here. And uh, like when I was in youth ministry, I get down off my ladder, I run across the, the road, and he gets off of the roof and comes up and we're talking. I was like, how are you doing? We're catching up. And he says, you know, I've been wanting to reach out to you for a while, but I've been scared to. I was like, why? And he's like, because my life has just gone completely off track. And I just, I just miss being in a group. And I need to get back to church. I need to get back to Jesus, and I'm trailing so much behind me in my life right now. And you know what? He came to church on Sunday, and he's coming to a men's group on Wednesday. And I want to declare to you, like, I don't know what you are trailing behind you in your life today. And maybe you were at college this past semester, and you were completely off the path with Jesus. And I want to declare to you today that Jesus is came into this world and he came to take your sin and he lived a sinless life so that he is qualified to set you free from all that sin does in our lives as it separates us from God. And then the last thing, we're going to close it up here. The last thing is that the virgin birth reminds us of the kingly prophecy because hundreds of years before, 700 years before, uh, in Matthew 1, Matthew quotes the prophecy. Matthew says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah continues just a couple chapters over, to quote Isaiah chapter 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And this is the proclamation of the Christmas story and the beginning of your redemption story, of our redemption story. So let me just sum up the virgin birth here real quick. The virgin birth means that even though your life may have stains from the past, you are not a prisoner to your past. 
We have a future that is not defined by depravity. We have a father that sympathizes with us in seasons of insanity. We have a power that goes way beyond our humanity. And we have a king who is absolute in his sovereignty. And so whatever is going on in your life right now, I just want to declare to you, God has a sovereign plan over your life. You have a future. You have significance in Christ. And you have no idea how many of you are going to wake up tomorrow and realize that God's been working all along the way. And it's the day to step into a new season of significance, just like Joseph. And so you have a choice today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. You have a choice today to step into the most significant story of history. To step into the story of Jesus. Joseph had a choice to go his own way or to trust and obey. And I want to invite you today, if you're in that season, to just keep trusting. Keep trusting and obeying. Trust in him. He is sovereign, and he has good plans for your life. There's this uh, book. Actually, let me just read the scripture. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Will you do the Lord is leading and commanding you today. Will you trust him and obey him? What would Joseph have missed out on if he had gone his own way? He would have missed out on the most amazing journey in life. Amen? And that's why this series is called All Hail King Jesus because it is about hailing him as our king and submitting to him and saying, I'm buying in 100% to the plans that you have for me in this life, in this world. In fact, it's not my story, and it's not my kingdom, it's yours. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon Podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.